me tell you a little story, Brewster. When I was seven years old, my daddy caught me smoking a cigar. Locked me in the broom closet for three days and three nights with nothing but a box of cigars and a book of matches. No food, Brewster. No water, just those goddamn cigars. Wouldn't let me out until I finished every last one of them. Taught me one hell of a lesson. I'm going to do to you what my daddy did to me. I'm going to teach you to hate spending money. I'm going to make you so sick of spending money that the mere sight of it will make you want to throw up. So, here's my proposition. You have 30 days in which to spend 30 million bucks. If you can do it, you get 300 million. Welcome to Sweet Play Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Magmasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing amazing. Woohoo! You lie. <laughs> you will never know the truth behind that statement. What's up, Jameson? How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing great, Mike. It's good to hear your voice, son. It's good to be heard in the SDL. And I'm never going to hear you again for a few more years. Is that right? Never. <laughs> Say goodbye, folks. Say goodbye. Hey, man, our last episode got like 300 downloads, man. It was pretty good stuff. Is that good? Yeah. On, for The Breakfast Club, we're like number five for overall downloaded episodes of Breakfast Club. So people wanted to hear what we had to say about it, I guess, son. God help them. Yeah. I mean, to typical episodes, like 100. You know, we got 300 mm-hmm. on that one. Not there bad. You go. Not bad, right? It's good. So uh, so this episode's Brewster's Millions, man. Brewster's uh-huh. Millions. Aha. That's from <laughs> our movie, man. It's... Uh, yeah, that was, uh, what movie is that coming to America? Aha. Uh, I believe so. Aha. Aha. Oh, good times, man. I have got some things to talk about today, man. Since I figured this is our last episode for probably a long time, we're going to go all out on this episode, man. I can't wait. So. Uh-oh. So how about we do some uh, some good old-fashioned news, son? Okay. Let's do it. So, man, uh, some crazy things have happened these past few days that have been pretty interesting. So, I guess let's talk about uh, one of the things I'm excited about. Love the whole Marvel Daredevil uh, Netflix show. It's fantastic. Obviously, we know we were getting into season two. But I didn't know they were going to be adding the Punisher to season two. And we have a cast 
for a cast person casted for season there you two go. of the Punisher. <laughs> uh, so, sir, let me get your thoughts on this man. This person who's being cast, uh, what John is, Bernthal? Yeah, what do you, he looks? Man, he looks the part, man. I I dig this as a casting. I have been critical of every version of the Punisher that we have gotten theatrically. Some people really enjoy the Thomas Jane one. I think you're one of those folks, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, yes. sir. I truly do not care for any version of the Punisher that I've seen on screen because I think none of them take the Punisher to the level that he deserves. And they always pull back. And uh, I am hopeful after watching Daredevil and seeing that Daredevil was not uh, necessarily a kids-friendly uh, Marvel movie or series, what have you. Um, I'm excited to A, get the Punisher in this universe. B, I think that that is the perfect place to put him, to introduce the Punisher into the Daredevil universe. Yeah. Love it, right? And yep. I think John Barenthal is inspired casting as the Punisher because for the most part, every role I've seen him in in, in recent years, he has been a total badass. And doesn't care about anybody and perfect that's the punisher i think he plays it well uh if he brings if he brings the same thing that he brought to shane on the walking dead i'm in and i just i'm excited for it, man it's like i said, i love that daredevil and so uh i'm i'm hopeful they do the punisher right finally yeah i i think uh i think you're your prayers will be answered so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, man. That that show was fantastic. There wasn't really anything I, I didn't like about it. And uh, funny enough, uh, are you familiar with who Kingpin's woman is? Um, no. She's from DC. She played a DC character. Help me out. She'd be Superman's mom. Who blew up on Krypton? Ah, okay. Man of Steel. She's like, you know what? I blew up in DC. I got nowhere to go, so I'll go over to Marvel. Yep. Jump ship. Why the, not? The first episode I saw her, I'm like, wow, she looks really familiar. And I'm like, huh? And I had just watched Man of Steel like two days before. I was like, let me look up Man of Steel. Yep, it's her. Boom. Good times. Shazam. Yeah. So, sir. My favorite cop, well, actually, it's not my favorite cop franchise, but because uh, Lethal Weapon is the greatest cop franchise there is, and then comes Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of my favorites is Bad Boys, and yeah. of course, you hate Bad Boys too, just like everybody else on the planet. Uh, but did you hear about Bad Boys 3, sir? I did hear about Bad Boys 3, <laughs> yes. What's your thoughts, man? What's your thoughts? Ah. Uh... Man, I you know what? I don't know. No what Michael, to think. no Michael Bay. It could, right. it could be good. I mean, he's he's fifty percent. He was fifty percent on those movies. Yes. One one great one, one terrible uh, litter box of a movie. <laughs> uh, um, I I really can't figure out where I'm landing. I need more info about this because I really do. I love that first one, and I really hate that second one. Yeah. So it's really like. Are they really going to recapture a feeling that I enjoyed, oh, what, 17 years ago now or whatever the first one came out? Like, yeah. It was a long time ago, man. And uh, I know Martin Lawrence is all on board for this. You know, he's gung-ho for it, but I don't know. Yeah, the, the hope is with Suicide Squad, Will Smith, they're hoping to grab him right after he gets done filming that role. Because right. right, they're getting, uh, you know, Joe Carnahan to, uh, to write it. So. Okay. So I guess we'll see what happens, man. Um, 
You know, it, that's definitely better news than uh, than the news that you and I were discussing uh, via text uh, a few uh, few I don't know a week ago, oh, yeah. and and that would be uh, how my my favorite person in the whole entire world is going to ruin one of my favorite movies of all time, and that's Big Trouble in Little China. Oh my god! With my boy Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Now, now you and I had some choice words that we can't uh, say on the podcast because we're family friendly here for the most mm-hmm. part. But we had some choice words, and and if if Mister Masunis, the person who is the advocate, and, and the I'm basically Paul Heyman for the Rock, right? <laughs> right. I, I mean, let's face it, I, I'm his client. I'm I'm the advocate, you know, and and I'm the, his biggest supporter, you know. And if I am not down for it, what does that tell you? Exactly. It's. There's so many things wrong with this that I'm hoping that just as the internet has shown an ability to rise up and resurrect previously dead franchises and and wield a bit of power when it comes to public persuasion, I am hoping that the outcry can be heard, that your voice along with mine can be heard, and we can put this thing to rest, that it won't happen. But, I mean, A, there is no reason to reboot redo anything with big trouble in little china big trouble in little china is a cult classic for a reason it is a great movie that yep. still holds up yes are the special effects cheesy today yes no doubt but is there a certain that that helps the feel of the movie that it it has that charm right yep and the best part about the movie is kurt russell Kurt Russell being <laughs> old Jack is just a regular dude in a <laughs> insane situation. I'm watch, trying to watch my words exactly here. In, in an insane situation, and he isn't a monster of a superhero. He's just a guy who has to figure things out while dragging along that skank with him. And uh, <laughs> and and when you drop the rock into it, the believability factor goes. All Kitty Wampus, where like, well, yeah, he could do anything. He's a rock. I've seen him do everything. He took on an earthquake. Yeah, I've seen him do incredible things. So of course, this shouldn't be a problem. You know, he'll of course he'll figure it out. There's no doubt. It, it just it's not for him, man. It's not. It doesn't need the rock in that movie. Now the rock has heard our cries and he has responded uh, to the people and he has said that I I hear what you're saying. Big Trouble in Little China is my all-time favorite film. I'm going to give love and respect and honor to the film. Blah, 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 blah. I love you, but I hate you right now. So. Now, I mean, this could be. We we remember the outcry of the Karate Kid uh, reboot, right? There was, oh, that led to some anger. And and the result was better than expected, right? Yes. Uh, I still, even knowing that. I still say, no, this can't happen. My first text to you is, I am on a Karate Kid. Right now, I'm on a Karate Kid uh, rampage right now. Mm-hmm. And you knew exactly what I was talking about. You're like, yep, that, big trouble, little China. You had the headband on, and you were running around the house kicking things. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. You were waxing the car. You were doing the whole nine. Oh, man, it's terrible. Yeah, let's not have this happen. This movie does not need to be rebooted. This movie does not need Dwayne. Heck, if you need to make another Big Trouble in Little China, Kurt Russell's still alive and still acting. Yeah. You and know, it- you could just pick it up now, and it's old man. I mean, if you need to do an Indiana Jones Kingdom of the Crystal Skull style 
thing and, and re, try and recapture it all these years later. Kurt Russell's still a fine actor, still out there getting work done. Yep. I mean, granted, I'm sure that's not going to fill the box office quite like The Rock does, but artistically, I would take that over this. And and don't give me the thing of like, well, this is for a new generation because you know what, my kids watch that movie all the time and they freaking love it. And yeah, that is a, that is a cop out. I mean, I understand for certain things, but but there are movies when you talk about, oh, we should we should redo the Goonies and we should and we should uh, you know, there's 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 several of these movies. And right now, the the big thing is to go after all the '80s movies, you know. Yeah. And so uh, you know, like, oh, well, we'll update it for new generation. These movies don't need updating they're, they're, look at the library of films from sweep the leg there is a large chunk of those predominantly in the 80s and a lot yep. of them are classics that never need to be redone for a new generation no just watch that movie it's great still we don't need a new ferris bueller because the ferris bueller we have is phenomenal oh, okay let me tell you a story folks so this past saturday et the extraterrestrial came on cable my kids were being naughty, and I had them in a timeout. I said, come here, you sit here, you sit here. It was the part that the kids just, you know, E.T. just came to the house. Now, I haven't seen E.T. in about 20 years. And I could not get over how much I loved the movie. My kids, and I was like, you know, that's Drew Barrymore, right? They're like, get out of here. So they had no idea how old this movie was, right? No idea. So then we start talking about... How all of their favorite movies. I said, let's go through all your favorite movies. You do realize that they're over 30, you know, 30 years old. What are you talking about? Well, let's see. You watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off about three times a week, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, you watch, uh, you watch this movie. You watch this movie. 90% of my kids' favorite movies are from 1980 through 1992. Those are their favorite movies that they watch nonstop, and they have no idea how old they are. When I explain to them how that Ferris Bueller's Day Off just turned 30 years old on Dad's birthday, they're like, no way, that movie's not 30 years old. That movie came out about five years ago. Really? So that tells you how much quality these movies that we talk about, there's a reason why we specifically pick out these certain movies, because they're... They're legit, man. They hold up. That's why we talk about them. Because they don't need to be remade. Period. Ugh. Exactly. So yeah. Reach, brother. Oh man, I'm I'm fired up. I am. Mm-mm. I'm telling you, man. I'm I'm fired up today, son. Because uh, E.T. I had, you know, I knew the part where uh, where he turns gray. I was like, oh, I'm I'm gonna hate this part. The kids are gonna cry. All this and that, but. It's like this movie holds up so well. It's ridiculous. I mean, of course, when they go up in the air, yeah, it was just a little bit bad. I mean, because I'm in HD. But, man, I still cried. It's fantastic, dude. (laughs) So what we're saying is we don't need all these reboots. That's exactly what we're saying, But what we do need, sir, is Pitch Perfect 3. Yes, I was just going to bring this up. I, I literally... I'm shocked. I really am. Based on the ending of Pitch Perfect 2, I literally am shocked that there's a part 3. I mean, granted, it is a, it's killing at the box office and you know it, it is a original original franchise, so it's okay. You know, it, it's not like this is a remake thing. This is actually legitimately, you know, uh, original. So, it's cool. I'm I'm happy that it, they're going to and they're going to use the original writer for this. I'm really curious who's going to come back for this. I I would be shocked if Anna Kendrick came back. I think she is gone. 
Yeah, the the way of course we're not gonna spoil part two, but let's just say that I thought that they ended part two in a way where if they could have a part three, there is a way to continue the story, but bring closure to the story if there isn't one. That's how I thought the, the ending of part two was. Right. Yeah, I am I'm excited, man. Give me yeah. give me a third one. Heck Why yeah. Not? Can't go wrong. Yeah, and uh you can be uh uh, you and Sarah can go again, and she can leave you, and you can be oh. the the uh, yeah. When I went, man, little girls and everything, I was the only guy in the theater. It was weird. I'm, I'm just I'm with you. I was like I'm having the Jameson syndrome right. You want to hear a funny theater story? Is last night I went to go see Insidious three, Ugh. and uh, it was a it was a full house. How terrible and, was it? Uh, it was actually decent. Okay, decent. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, but uh, there was one spot particular in the movie, I don't know, halfway into it, 40 minutes into it, where there are several scares kind of thrown at you in a row. Yep. And there was a, a girl uh, in her probably mid-20s sitting directly in front of me who apparently couldn't handle the level of scares that were thrown at her <laughs> because she broke down in tears and was sobbing uncontrollably. And at first I thought she was laughing because eh, there's some goofy stuff. With the theater like that, everyone, you know, there's all kinds of things going on. We got phones going off and just ridiculousness. But uh, there was a quiet moment shortly afterwards. And I'm hearing this girl uh, in front of me just fighting to get the tears back. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. It was so bad. Like, oh, no. Like, there's still a lot of movie left. You might want to walk out to the lobby and compose yourself or go into a different movie because you got a long run still to make here. It was, I felt bad and yet it also was entertaining me. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> uh, so I think I, I got to ask you about two more things real, All right. real quick and then we can roll into our review. So the Batman versus Superman plot synopsis came out, uh-huh. which, which I think everybody knew exactly what it was. I think Lord. I think the regular person could have wrote that. Uh, were you were you surprised at all by this? Uh, you know, I, no. synopsis. <laughs> that was the most bare bones. Like, hey, I watched half of the first trailer. I'll just write about what I think the movie's going to be. Yep, that's pretty much it. Yep. <laughs> now, Superman's going to fight Batman at some point. Great. Yeah. And then they'll and then they'll be best friends at the end, and they'll create the Justice League. End of movie. There you go. I mean, come on. The posers are cool. That came out today. Not yeah, I agree. Too, not too bad, but yeah, I thought the plot synopsis was a little weak, but eh, it is what it is, right? Yes, sir. But it is pretty cool though. That uh, what is it? Last night, you're like nice cod piece. They <laughs> they they threw up uh, a picture. I guess it's in a cabinet because they're having the Batmobile do uh do some touring and things like that and they have the the wonder woman suit the superman suit and the batman suit all in these glass cases look very cool but uh my first thing my wife said is she goes is that this is that really what the suit's gonna look like i'm like yeah she goes could his blank be any bigger i was like huh i'm like oh yeah and then you're like i posted a picture and you're like nice cod piece so like some serious junk going on Good lord. I know, right? What are they uh, thinking? Affleck took, what, a 10% decrease to make sure his junk looked exceptional in this thing, or what? I don't know, man. Good lord. It's crazy. But I want to talk about the songs of the summer, son. Songs okay. Songs of the summer. So, I I cannot get over how... I feel like this is a 1995, I think it was, when Boys 
uh, Boys to Men did End of the Road from uh, from the I think it was Boomerang, right? Was that the, it was a soundtrack from one of the Eddie's uh, Eddie End of the Road was long before that though. Yeah, there it was a it was from an Eddie Murphy movie. Oh, then that was Boomerang, yes. Okay, so that song. I mean, killed the charts, and then eventually it was as long as the longest running single, and then eventually Whitney Houston came and blew that out of the water with the "I Will Always Love You." So this year, I feel that we are back to boys to men style, where the song that's played every single like ten minutes, the song of the summer, is "See You Again" mm-hmm. uh, from from Furious Seven soundtrack, which is a fantastic song, and it it just it feels kind of cool because. It's such a it's such a sad song, but it, it's you always want to listen to it. it. It's just like End of the Road. End of the Road was such a sad song, but it was so good you just always want to listen to it. So I think that's gonna be the actual official song of the summer, the, like the number one. What do you think? Oh yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised. I don't know unless your girl Taylor comes out with something. <laughs> well, Bad Blood is number one on iTunes for the past two weeks, so. Remember how on last episode I, I did my ranting about Taylor Swift and, and the remix of Bad Blood? Uh-huh. So I kind of bought the single and I've kind of been listening to it a lot. So That surprised me in the least. It definitely does not beat the original. Mike, you're a 12-year-old girl. With- <laughs> <laughs> I love Taylor, man. I've always, I always have. I always will. All right. I... I I hold my I hold my Taylor Swift you know pride like you hold your NSYNC pride, son. Yeah. So. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Bad Blood, man, it's fantastic. But uh, yeah, I think that one is going to be going up against it. There's what's this song uh, about? Uh, I'm uh, about not cheating on his woman. It's like this real happy song. It's like I'm good, baby, I'm good. And he's like, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to go home with you because I'm giving all the love to my woman. It's like played all the time. I think that's another song of summer. I can't remember the name of it, but do you know what I'm talking about? They're like, nope. No idea, huh? No idea, sir. I know people out there. They know what I'm talking about. I have not been listening to any what you would call popular music recently. Ah. I've been listening to other. Allison Chains. <laughs> well, that's that's on a consultation. <laughs> what have you been listening to then, sir? Uh, not a lot of actual music, actually. I've been, uh, I see, I've been, uh, uh practicing a lot for a, uh, <clears throat> a voice thing I was doing. And so I was listening to a lot of classical music. Huh? Yeah. Mm, how highbrow. I, I say that with a monocle in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times, man. All right, yeah. sir. How about we roll into our review of Brewster's Million, sir? Okay. All right, let's do it. Money. Everyone wants it. Until now, Monty Booster didn't have it. They tell me you're my only living relative. But he just made money the old-fashioned way. You have 30 days in which to spend 30 million bucks. He inherited it. If you can do it, you get 300 million. But if you fail, you don't get diddly. Why can't I tell my friends? Because I don't want anybody to help me out. Ah! What's wrong? What's wrong? $30 million. The man just got $30 million to This is a good day, you know. He can't keep it unless he can spend it and have nothing left but the shirt on his back. Well, we're going to have a, a lot of fun with this kind of money. <laughs> Jay, I'd like to hire you as my official photographer. Salary, $10,000 a week. How would you like to be my personal driver for the next 30 days at $5,000 a week? What a country. America, I love it. Hey, everybody, anybody want to go to lunch? Everyone thinks he's crazy. I want to bet $50,000. And when I'm, don't sell it. I think we should consider the 
possibility of psychiatric help. At the rate you're going, you'll have spent your entire inheritance in less than a month, and you'll have nothing to show for it. But $300 million says he's right on the money. Richard Pryor and John Candy. It's like that old saying, you know, if first more money, I'd be a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. Brewster's Millions, coming soon from Universal Pictures. So, sir... Brewster's Millions. This is a movie that I've wanted to talk about since the beginning of STL. And I was just like, ah, I'm going to put this on the list. And uh, this by far is my favorite Richard Pryor movie. Uh, I actually have a few friends that have never seen this movie. It's It seems to be one of those movies that either you've seen it or you haven't. It's like it's one of well, those think, gems. Yeah. Mike, I think most movies are like that. Well, either you've seen them or you haven't. I, I mean, come on. I mean, I'm just by definition, I'm just saying. <laughs> Okay, let, let me rephrase myself, smartass, all right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's one of those that I guess people know about it or uh, they've never heard of it. I gotcha. Guess, I, that's what I was trying to say. I'm on I apologize. I'm, I'm tracking now. Okay. Yeah, you're tracking. You're tracking what I'm saying. Okay. Uh-huh. So um, what's your history with, uh, with Brewster's Millions? So I discovered Brewster's Millions uh, thanks to a long, boring summer at home uh, and Comedy Central playing Brewster's Millions on what seemed like a daily loop. (laughs) And uh, there was one summer there where it felt like between episodes of Kids in the Hall, they always showed Brewster's Millions or PCU. And uh, those were like the movies I watched that entire summer. So I this just every time I watch it, it reminds me of sitting in my parents' basement uh, just – doing nothing watching this movie in bits and pieces wherever it is so nice yeah yeah i always dug it well how about we do this or how about we go through like the plot synopsis starting from beginning to end and we'll kind of touch as as we kind of i got a big one big plot synopsis from beginning to end we can read okay yeah and and I'll, i'll read through it because let's be honest unfortunately uh you haven't had a chance to rewatch this recently and somebody stole my copy so the way to, to refresh my memory on everything that happened is to kind of go through this big plot synopsis here. And that'll kind of be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that kind of thing. Does that sound good, sir? Let's do it. All right. So Monty or Montgomery Brewster, a.k.a. Richard Pryor, uh, he's a second rate minor league baseball player. Uh, he plays for the Hackensack Bulls. So this takes place in Chicago. Am I right, sir? Correct. Awesome. So one night after winning a game, no, he no, 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 no. no. This takes place in New York. Oh, New York, right? New but York, he has, but he has a Cubs, uh, a Cubs shirt. That because that's where he's right. That's where he pitched when he was in the big leagues. Gotcha. Okay. So one night after winning a game, Monty and his best friend, a Bulls catcher, Spike Nolan, aka John Candy, the brilliant John Candy, mm-hmm. our favorite, are are hitting on two women at a local bar. So when they try to leave with them, they're confronted by two large men who claim that they are the women's husbands. Hmm. Monty and Spike are punched out by the men, and a large bar brawl starts. I don't remember this. Holy crap. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is at the beginning. The two chicks are hitting on them. They're trying to get them. They're, they're picking up the beers from the bar. They're going to take them back to their room, and that's when the it's actually the guy that Richard Pryor struck out earlier in the day on the other team. Oh, okay. Thank you, sir. And the bar fight begins. And then they are later arrested, thrown in jail. Now their coach, Charlie, which is played by the the famous actor from Law & Order, and if you watch Dirty Dancing, it would be uh, Baby's dad. 
uh, which I, I don't have his name in front Jerry of me. Jerry Orbach. Thank you, sir. Uh, he, he's fantastic in this movie. His name is Charlie. He tells them that uh, management has decided to kick them off of the team. So... In court, Monty tries to explain that the fight, uh, explain the fight to the judge, uh, that it was wholly, and the judge is basically unsympathetic. Of and the judge, played by the grandma from Family Matters. Ah, that's right, that's right. Oh man, I love her so much, man. She was actually in Give Me a Break. She was Nell Carter's mom, and she was a big bitch in that show. Wow. Yeah, but uh, I love her when she had Family Matters because I'm like, wait, she's nice. She smiles. You break, I sure could use one. That's a great theme song. Dude, I, I love I love Give Me a Break, man. I love mm-hmm. Family Matters. Good times, man. We, All should, right. we should do some changing channels someday. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So the photographer that's been following Monty suddenly rises and tells the judge that he represents an un- unidentified party that will post bail for both Monty and Spike if they plead guilty. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. So the next morning, they are fired from the team and they have to sit in jail because they couldn't afford bail. So a stranger named J.B. Donaldu, right? No, Donalo. Thank you. Donalo, yeah. Donalo, which is played by uh, Joe Giffassi. You got it. (laughs) A lawyer posing as a photographer. He offers bail and asks them to come to New York City with him. So... At the Manhattan law office of Granville and Baxter, bunch of jerk-offs, uh, Brewster is told that his recent deceased great-uncle, Rupert Horn. Did you get that, folks? Recently deceased great-uncle. Now, mm-hmm. keep in mind, Richard Pryor is an African-American person, if you weren't aware of this. okay? Check. Now, his great-uncle, Rupert, he's a white guy. Oh, boy. Okay? I, I just, and for those of you who haven't seen this movie, I, I just want you to visualize this, okay? Now, Rupert Horn is played by Hum Cron... Cronlin? Cron? I'm going to let you have that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is this is always the fun part. I can never pronounce names. So, Humi. Humi Cronian. That's, that's my final answer. Gotcha. Is, is that the right pronunciation? No idea. All right, awesome. Whom he has never met has left him an entire fortune because Monty is his only living blood relative uh, by way of Monty's grandmother, Rupert's half-sister, but with several conditions. This is where it gets good, folks. Yes. Now, oh this my... is the crux of the movie. Yeah. You, if, you don't, if you don't follow this explanation, then the rest of the movie you'll be like, but why don't they just, but he could just, but nope. Exactly. It, it really is, this is the pivotal scene that you have to pay close attention to. And we're going to go through the rules very very detailed. So, Rupert's last will is on film, and it features, basically, he's uh, he's dying, essentially. He relates a story from his youth, where his father made him smoke a whole box of cigars to punish him for smoking just one. So, Rupert tells Monty that he wants Monty to hate spending money. Monty will be given $30 bucks to spend in 30 days. If he's successful, he will be awarded the full inheritance of Get this, folks. $300 million. Seems easy enough, man. Just spend $30 million. No big deal, right? $1 million a day. Yep. Easy. So Brewster is challenged to either take $1 million up front. As That's part the, of, wimp, the wimp yeah, clause. The, the wimp clause. So you're, here's a million bucks. Take it. Boom. Never see you again. Or you go for the big one. 
you you spend 30 million within 30 days and you get 300 million bucks. So if he chooses the former, the law firm uh, becomes executor of the estate and they'll divide the money among charities after taking a sizable fee, of course. And we know their sizable fee will be about 250 million. Mm -hmm. So in the later case, after 30 days, he must spend the entire 30 million bucks in one month under the following rules. Rule number one, with the exception of those who witnessed the will reading, uh, which one of them would be Commissioner Gordon from Batman 1989, <laughs> uh, who are also the firm's two senior partners, George Granville and Norris Baxter. Those are the two douchebags of the movie. And Rupert's estate lawyer, which is Pat Hingle from AKA Batman 89. And uh, he's actually more likable in this than he is in that movie. So Brewster cannot reveal to anyone that the uh, on the will's terms. He may only tell everyone... Uh, he may only tell everyone else he inherited 30 million bucks. That's all he's allowed to do. Got it? Rule number one. Brewster must spend the money on tangible terms. So for those of you who don't know what that means, it means if anything he buys accrues value, such as let's say an investment that earns money, this is considered uh, part of the money he inherited and he must spend that as well. So in other words, no assets. Number three. Directly giving away money is capped at 10%, split between 5% in gambling loss and another 5% maximum to be donated to charity. So, number four is Brewster may not willfully damage anything he buys with the money. So, in other words, he can't go buy the car in Furious 7 and then go destroy it. Right. And he, yeah, he can't. He cannot destroy what is inherently valuable. Exactly. Now, I have a sticking point with this rule when we get into the movie. Okay. And number five, after 30 days, he may not own any assets that he that he's not already his. So, in other words... The clothes on your back. Clothes on your back. So, so in simplest terms, it's basically this. You got to spend a million dollars a day, and you got to have nothing to show for it at the end of the day. And if you do have something to show for it, you need to get rid of it as soon as possible because that 30 days is going to go faster than you think. That's basically the terms that we're dealing with. Is, is that a proper way to sum these up, sir? I concur with that. Okay. So here we go. If any of the rules are violated, the challenge is forfeited. All money that he has left goes to the law firm and Brewster will be left with nothing. Despite the tempted offer just to wimp out, and walk away with a million bucks, especially after the law firm reveals that they already did a background check on him and show that his highest annual salary he ever earned was $11,000. So so Monty decides to take the $30 million challenge. This is like deal or no deal, folks. So this is where the party starts, the fun begins. This is where you as the audience member are completely jealous of this guy and hate his guts because he's doing everything you want to do. So, <laughs> so the next day, Monty goes to a bank across the street where the money is waiting for him. This is my favorite scene of the movie. When, that's, when that vault opens and you see stacks upon stacks. Let's put it this way. If you've seen The Equalizer recently with uh, Denzel Washington, which is now on Stars, by the way, on cable, uh, towards the end of the movie when, uh, yeah, when the big drug bust and you see all those millions and millions of dollars, this is what happens when he opens the vault and he sees all that money. That That's my favorite sight of the whole movie. Is, of course it is. Is that. <laughs> oh, it's so fantastic. So he, uh, he appoints Spike. As the vice president of the investment corporation he's building and hires one of the bank's security guards 
as his personal guard for the next month. What, what do you think of uh, uh, so far going in the vault? Hires this random guy off the street, and what does he pay him? Like a thousand dollars a day or something like that? He pays him like ten times what he makes, and that's kind of going to be the the mo that you see throughout the movie is a good way to burn through money is just hiring guys. Like, what do you what do you make? Ah, I'll quadruple it. <laughs> just come work for me. It's a good way to burn through money when you got to go through a million dollars a day. And uh, you can buy some loyalty when you pay a guy uh, more money than he'd make in a year. It's true. And yeah. uh, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, okay. So he uh, so he asked to rent the bank vault where the cash is stored uh, for a million dollars a day. No, not a million dollars. Was it a million dollars a day? I no. mean, it was some ridiculous. And, no, it wasn't a million dollars a day because that would have been. Uh, that would take care of it. It was like something, couple like twenty five thousand dollars, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, and and is granted a thirty day lease and refuses an account that will earn him interest. I want no interest. I want no interest. I remember that. And the guy's like, "Are you serious? This is phenomenal." So then we get my face, my uh, my favorite Russian taxi driver. Uh, America. I love what a country. Oh, this guy's so good. What Yakov is- Smirnov. Oh, where do we know this guy from, man? Oh my God, Yakov Smirnov was the eighties, man. He he was the Russian comic. He had his own Saturday morning TV show for a while. He, he Now he still headlines. He's like the biggest draw in Branson, Missouri. He has his own theater in Branson, Missouri, doing his America, what a country. <laughs> it's it's amazing. He is like he was like the precursor to Carrot Top and all these other weird hack comics that just somehow make an incredible career out of one like just one idea. Yeah. Yeah, he, Yakov. He he's he's fantastic. So he hires uh he hires this Russian taxi driver to be his personal driver. Uh, he has the driver rent a fleet of limousines and other drivers. Uh, he takes everyone in earshot out to an expensive dinner in Manhattan. So let's just say you're you're in the middle of the street, right? You're in Manhattan. I mean, there's what a couple hundred people easily walking. If you got to hear Monty say, "Hey." Anybody want to go to lunch? I'm buying. And you got all these people screaming. Think of like the Ferris Bueller's Day Off scene where where he's singing in the float. That's how many people were there that heard Monty. So, I mean, he, right. he easily spent a crap load of money doing that for sure. So Yeah, but what's a crap load of money? Like $20,000? Yeah. I mean, that's like I just bought everybody's lunch. And what what was your bill? Uh, 20 grand. Oh, you only have $980,000 to spend today. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> like, it's just a drop in the bucket when you think about it. Oh, it's so good. So, at dinner, he talks with the accountant that Granville and Baxter has assigned to him. So, let's talk about Angela Drake, which is played mm-hmm. by Lynette McKee. I don't really like her very much. And it's not because she comes off as just a snub person, but just, I don't, I think this is really my my only problem I have with the movie is I never saw what Brewster saw in her because I she has just, no personality. She was just very ugly. Her personality made her very ugly to me. Yeah, she's just she has zero personality, and that's the problem. Like she's not like uh, super snobby. She's not like oh, I don't I like. She's not like the alternative to him where where they have a back and forth where she's constantly telling him like no no blah blah. She's not even like a quality love interest. She's really just nothing. She kind of... Yeah. Yeah, she is the one character in the movie that really just kind of 
floats along. Unfortunately, she's like the second lead throughout most of the movie. Well, I mean, let's talk about John Candy. I mean, he's had some fantastic scenes up to this point, you know, basically yelling at Brewster for hiring the biggest schmoes that he comes across. He's like, why? Especially that one guy that was taking pictures. He can't stand that guy. Right. But but John Candy has some excellent lines and he's fantastic. I mean, he's obviously the backbone, the best friend to Brewster. You can clearly tell that they probably grew up together. They're so close. And you know Brewster wants to tell him. And the only thing he said is before, he's like, okay, it's going to look like I'm crazy, but I'm not crazy. You just got to trust me and you just got to stick with me. That's the only warning he was allowed to give him. And it's it, there's a lot of doubting character throughout yeah. with these two. So actually, there there is character building between these two throughout the movie, which I actually dig. It's like he wants so bad to tell his best friend, but he can't do it. You know, well, yeah, I mean, John Candy is, you know, he's been his battery mate. He's been his catcher, you know, probably since they were in the pros together and have followed the same career trajectory that landed him back in the minor leagues. And he's just the guy who's always looking out for him. You know, they're best friends. And and he's oh, man, just when I'm when I watch this and really anything that has John Candy, I'm just reminded how much I love John Candy and how much I love John John Candy's laugh. Yeah, in this movie, and just I'm like, oh, that's right, and and just the 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 nonverbal physicality that John Candy would use, like in the scene where he first gets his suit, he comes walking in, <laughs> and he's all dressed up for the first time, and he's doing his little dance steps up and down the stairs as he enters the room, and he's just. Uh, there's just something about a young, good-looking, happy John Candy that just makes me happy about life, and and this was it right here. I mean, he was he was fairly fit for John Candy, and, yeah. and just I, yeah, I I really can't get enough of a young John Candy. Yeah, he, he was. We're never ever gonna get another guy like that guy. And I yeah, I love his as you say the, being he's the conscience basically for the yeah. big chunk of the movie. He's Brewster's conscience. Like ah, this guy, this <laughs> schmuck. What do you know about this guy? Like come on, man, you're blowing through money left and right. Oh, so good. Yeah. So, so yeah, basically, um, uh, so Angela, she's supposedly an attractive woman. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> and, and she's a law student, uh, clerking for the firm. Uh, so basically, she, she, it's almost like the the guys that want his money are hiring her because they know that she will definitely make sure that things are accounted for. They can trust her, but they also think that maybe they could buy her down the line, but they're not sure. That's mm-hmm. kind that's kind of questionable up in the air. So so Monty instantly kind of falls in love with her, and Monty tries to convince her that he's not just another newly rich snob, and he asks her out thinking that he can hire someone to do her work for her. But she's like, nope, I got a fiancé, and his name is Warren. So Warren, Mm -hmm. who's a junior partner at the law firm, who is the father from the show Seventh Heaven. Stephen Uh, Collins. Yeah, Stephen Collins. He's essentially... Man, uh, he is one unlikable guy. He he plays the part really good, and he does he a really is. good job of you hate making you hate him. He is a very unlikable fellow in real life too. But for real, Stephen, awesome. okay, I don't want to get into it. I'm just saying, <laughs> Google Stephen Collins and the problems he's had with children in the last couple of years, Ooh. and uh, yeah, it's not good. But 
uh, that that was not happening at this time. Steven, this is the first thing that I can remember seeing him in because I remember when Seventh Heaven started. I'm like, oh, it's the guy from Brewster's Millions. Yeah, ah, that's how I referred to him for the longest time. Was hey, you know that guy? Because he has really, if you don't know his name or can point to a thing that he was in, he just looks like anybody's dad. Yeah, you know, it's like ah, oh, you know that guy. He's got the I don't know. He's got I guess he's got a haircut of some sort. Uh, nothing distinguishing about him. Yeah, <laughs> so he, he was he was in that film with that one guy. Who yeah, that so he girl. was always ah, oh, it's the guy from Brewster's Millions, and then inevitably whoever I'm talking to goes, "What? <laughs> You've never seen Brewster's Millions? No. What? What are we talking about? What's Brewster's Millions? Get it. Who the hell's named Brewster? <laughs> why, why are we talking about Stephen Collins? <laughs> Ugh, it's ridiculous. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, he he plays oh, the oh. perfect snobby boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I love when they're talking about they're talking about him and Brewster mentions like well that guy's an a-hole right there <laughs> now that was the real a-hole <laughs> exactly so the next day Monty has uh, a rented large penthouse in the Plaza Hotel and a large amount of office space in the same building and he also has hired a couple of high priced tailors to make custom suits for him renting the clothes him themselves so with the salary that Monty is paying him Spike fixes himself up down in the Mm -hmm. new office that Monty's renting. And that's when he meets Warren for the first time. And, uh, you know, and essentially unknown to anyone, Granville and Baxter have a slot, have slide change. Warren, uh, was basically, they're asking him to spy, uh, on Monty to make sure that he does not complete the challenge so that, uh, they get the millions for themselves and he'll get some of the profit. So essentially he's kind of like the, uh, what is it? The the dark horse, whatever you know. He is he is the inside man. Yeah, exactly. Who they can? Uh, he's the Manchurian candidate. They can activate at any time and and tell him, hey, we got a screw Brewster. Yeah. But right now, just keep eyes on him. Let us know what's going on down there. Exactly. So in the office of hundreds of people looking to do either business with Monty oh or scam gosh. him. This is one of my favorites. Uh, one man has an investment offer. There <laughs> is so many people that pour in because because for some reason. It makes the like the six o'clock news. Yeah. Like, ah, like I don't know that that would make this, especially in New York. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like, the main story in six o'clock news is, hey, this guy inherited a bunch of money. And that's <laughs> it. There's no other story that they can tell. Like, this guy just spent a bunch of money today. That's like, there's no, everything that we know, they don't know. But for some reason, it's on the top of the news. And so yeah. they're like, everybody's down there. Every get rich quick scheme is in his office. Yeah, exactly. Th- this guy, he basically tries to sell a large iceberg <laughs> that will be outfitted with giant engines and be sailed to the middle East where the ice will be used to supply water to farmers in the region. Why not? So Monty's like, uh, Monty is also allowed to gamble 5% of his 30 million. So he hires a bookie to bet on, Every long shot that he can. Oh my gosh, this, yep. this guy is great. Samani so calls his old Bulls coach and tells him that he plans to fix up the old playing field in Hackensack and that he'll arrange a three inning exhibition game where the Bulls will play the New York Yankees. Now, let me ask you this, this is something I was always confused on. So, so Monty is gonna buy them all these uniforms and, and fix this field up and stuff. Isn't this technically Stuff that he owns and that is an asset? Or is this a donation to the club? Hmm. I don't know. See, there's it's, there's there's a couple of things in here that, that that trip you up when you think about the rules that are laid out. Yeah. 
Um, but I guess you could say, well, it's a donation to the club. I'm donating new uniforms and uh, this and that, what have you. Okay. So so we'll say for the sake of argument, deleted scene, it was a donation. There you go. Okay, there <laughs> we go. We'll write our own movie here. Salmani continues his spending campaign for a few weeks. One night, he's inspired by an idea from Spike to invest in expensive items like stamps. Who knew that spikes, that stamps would be expensive, right? So Mane goes to a fine collectible store and asks to see the most expensive stamp that the owner has. The stamp is an infamous inverted uh, Jenny, which Monty buys for $1.25 million. Right. Dude, comic books are like, I think Batman number one is $1.7 million, if I remember correctly. So this stamp is worth more than... Yeah, yeah the, the upside down airplane, it's it's the most famous stamp. Now, yeah. Mike, this yeah. is where I have an issue. Okay, tell me your issue. So he spends all this money on this stamp. Right. He then puts it on a postcard and mails it to the two jerks. Right. And saying like, hey, having a great time, what have you. And they're like, oh, he, oh my. Now he has... He has broken rule number four. He has taken something with inherent value and destroyed it. He has taken a a million dollar stamp and once he licked it and affixed it to the postcard, it is not worth a million dollars anymore. He has knowingly destroyed something with inherent value. That's that that bothers me every time. Hmm. Like I, why you you make this rule and then like yeah he just destroyed it they base they they say it themselves when they get the like oh look at the stamp like oh, he just blew a million dollars or what have you and now it's worthless. I always you know as a kid I, I've seen this hundreds of times and you're right there was always something about that scene where I was just like something doesn't feel right but I could never put my finger on it I think you just did. There you go. There I like you. to put your finger on things. Yeah. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, we, we, there's there's another thing. When you mentioned the guy with uh, the the iceberg salesman. Yeah, 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 yeah. My favorite guy in that office. Uh, as there, I mean, it's just crazy. It's going. Phones are ringing. Everybody's yelling at him, trying to get something. There's one guy who I love, and he has a very small scene, but he is a famous actor, and that is the human Xerox machine, played by Rick Moranis. Rick oh, Moranis, that's right. Human Xerox machine who will repeat everything you say for $250,000. And he's like, ah, I don't think I need that. And Spike instantly is like, no, we do not need oh. this. But Rick Moranis, basically, since he didn't say, since Brewster didn't necessarily say no, he suddenly, he, he goes to work right away. Oh and now he's God. repeating everything that Brewster says. <laughs> everything. And Spike is ready to choke him. I love it. I just love Rick Moranis and just the idea of the humans. I'm just going to repeat everything you say, like a child would, to annoy your brother or sister and just pay me like 25 grand or something. I don't know. <laughs> you, you are so right. You know, I've only, I've always thought of him as like, oh, well, he's the guy from Ghostbusters or Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I always forget he's in this movie. And every time he's on, I'm like, God, it was so funny. It was so good, especially when uh, John Candy turns around, says something to him, and then he'll turn around and say something. Exactly. So good. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. So so going back to the stamp, uh, Granville and Baxter read the story in the newspaper, thinking Monty has violated the terms of the will. Baxter finds a postcard in the Daily Mail that has a photo of the Hackensack Bulls and a bland message from Monty. After a few moments, 
Baxter realizes that Monty has used the inverted mm-hmm. Jenny stand to mail the card, thereby de- uh, devaluing it. Aha! Both men are furious and have a private meeting with Warren where they show him the will. So, so you're right. They know it's devalued, but they don't call him on breaking that rule. Exactly. Interesting. That should be your loophole right there. Hey, jerk. You just ruined that. You just blew Done. Thanks for the free money. <laughs> okay, so both men are furious and have a private meeting with Warren. Uh, the conditions is not revealing the uh, the $30 million spent plan in 30 days does not apply to the others of the will reading. So obviously, uh, they don't tell him that, but they just say, in order for him to cause a small error in bookkeeping accounting, uh, take $20,000. That will be discovered at the last moment. Right. So they promise Warren that if he does this, he'll be made full partner. Monty will get his real inheritance, uh, goes to the firm. So... Uh, Spike and the rest of Monty's friends and associates become very worried about Monty's frivolous spending and try to convince him to curtail it. But Monty finds out that the iceberg investment has turned out to be a lucrative. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. He actually makes money off this crazy. So we got to sell it now. <laughs> sell his stock. And they're like, what? You want to oh. sell it? Oh, it's the first time you've made money in a week. Not to mention, one of my favorite characters in this movie is his money manager. That guy, the money manager, who... Oh, yes. Oh, he's so great. He's just a guy in so many movies. Yes. But he's Revenge this... of the Nerds. He's the, right. uh, he's the guy that sticks up to John, uh, John uh, Goodman uh, yes. at, the, at the end of the rally. That guy with the glasses. There you go. I love as he's... Uh, trying to sell off and and just watching him burn through money and he's like I think we should seriously consider psychiatric help. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so good. <laughs> so moments later, the bookie he hired storms in and tells him that he won a large amount of money on the bets he placed and that he will be banned from any more gambling in New York. For somehow every single long shot at the race is one. Exactly. Never been seen before. And Monty is pissed. Monty is right. pissed. He goes he just off. Keeps making money. And John Candy takes a look at, at what's her name and just like I don't get it. I, I I don't understand. So Monty decides to donate the money to charity. He's allowed to donate five percent and thirty million. This of course makes the woman of his dreams put a smile on her face for the first time in the movie. She's excited, thinking this is the best thing that he could have done with the money. So, Spike and his financial advisor, Eugene, uh, both rush into Monty's office one day with exciting news. Spike had invested a large amount of Monty's money in a venture and earned Monty's company $10 million. (laughs) He's like, damn it, I went right back to where I started. Oh, man, so good. So mm-hmm. Monty becomes upset, realizing that he's right back where he started and orders everyone out of the office. So on television, he sees a news commentary about New York's upcoming mayor election. This is the only part of the movie I don't like is this whole mayor crap. Yeah. None of the just, above. It slows the movie down. Like It everything, pulls it into a different direction. It does. It's like everything is fast-paced. Everything's funny. You're in the moment. You're like, damn, I wish I could be Monty. I wish I could spend this money. This is my least favorite part of the film is this none of the above crap that I have to deal with for the next 20 minutes. It's really the, the part that I could just fast-forward every time I watch this movie. Yep. But essentially... 
Monty enters a race uh, declaring a ticket called None of the Above, where he plans to buy the votes of New York. The campaign drains much of the $30 million in a short amount of time. When Monty's two opponents, uh, Heller and Salvino, figure out that Monty's campaign could defeat them both, they both agree to sue him for, uh, for liability, I guess. So Monty settles out of court for a huge amount of several million dollars. So Angela has grown increasingly cold towards Monty, of course, thinking he's foolishly spent $30 million so rapidly. So Monty has tried to give her a new Ashton Martin convertible. I didn't even know what these things were, man. Oh, like yeah. An Ashton Martin. The James, the James Bond car. Yeah. Uh, which is a violation of the will that Monty can't tell Angela about. So while he talks to her on the street... He's overseen by both Warren and Margaret, who mistakenly assume Monty and Angela are having an affair. Oh, boy. So then we get uh, the game, the big game of the Bulls versus the Yankees. So at the game, the Bulls start out doing very well against the Yankees, but the Yankees fight back, defeat the Bulls. And Monty approaches the locker room, tells them that if he wins the election, that... Uh, the sixty thousand dollar annual salary will be given. To, uh, that's given to him as a mayor. It it's considered an asset according to the will. Uh, so Monty announces to the crowd that he's withdrawing from the election. So that's basically the thing is that people, even though he's doing none of the above, people like Monty so much because he's charismatic. He's a, he's different. He's, yeah, he's different, and people are actually really voting for him. And then it, and then the guy from AKA Commissioner Gordon comes in and just like, hey, basically. You got a good chance of winning, and keep in mind, you get sixty grand a year from this thing. That's an asset. You lose. So that's when uh, he you t- lose, sir. Yeah, you lose, son. So basically, Monty then announces that he's withdrawn from the election, and he's got thirty-eight thousand dollars left. He's gonna throw one big party. This this part, everything from this point on is fantastic. This is like, even though there's no action per se. There's a lot of buildup, and the buildup is very intense. And every time I watch this, I enjoy it every time. This whole buildup to the final moments of the film is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what do you think up to this point in the story? Uh, are you kind of with me in regards to the election thing, slowing things down, don't really dig it too much? Yeah, it, it always just feels a little out of place. I mean, and I don't know. I guess they had to find a way to convincingly dump all that money in in, in a short amount of time, what have you. But if yeah, it it feels out of place in this movie. I could do without it. I could do with it. Come up with something more. So I don't know, something different that doesn't just veer off the road for for fifteen twenty minutes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so basically, uh, Marty's plan, or Monty plans to get very drunk. Spike and Melvin take up a small collection to give Monty so that he won't be flat broke. But Monty refuses the money. Spike suggests that he and Monty go buy a nice sports car, leave New York for the new life. But Monty still turns him down. So alienated, Spike walks away from Monty for good. So the next morning, this is the 30th day, the landlord from Monty's office in Penthouse politely Ask him to leave. They're like, we've loved having you here. It's been fantastic, but it's time to go. So the tailors, they take back all the clothes he rented, and he gets his old Chicago Cubs jersey back on. Basically the same clothes you saw him get the money in the beginning of the film. So Monty leaves the plaza in his old street clothes uh, clothes and wanders off into Manhattan. Now, you would think that dude in a couple of hours is going to be sick rich. I mean, we're talking beyond sick rich. And he is depressed. 
no friends. Right. And the job has has taken the toll. And he is sick of money. Yeah, I mean, well, it's alienated him from the people that are close to him because he can't reveal the secret. So here Spike is been along on the ride the whole way and at the end he's like man i look hey i can you know i, I can help it's you and me you know and it's like i nope, can't can't help you sorry yeah you know, i can't i wish i could tell you Ooh, i almost let it slip you know and and so <laughs> he can't both the lady that he loves and his best friend are like what well, you just keep pushing us away you you won't take our help at all we're trying to help you and you are self-destructive you know and it's like I, I've been around those people that are self-destructive. It's like, no matter what, how much I offer to help, you have to try and help yourself, and you're not. So I'm done with you, man. And and it's just, you know, it's horribly depressing because, like you said, he the lesson has been taught. He hates money. So great. You're about to get even more money. More money than you could ever imagine. How's that suit you? I just want my friends. I just want yep. everything I had before, you know? Yep. Uh, and basically, Brewster finds out he did lose the election as he intended. So we get the big climax. This is probably 10 minutes of the film, and it's yeah. fantastic. So it's 11.45 p.m. So Monty reappears at the Grand Villain Baxter that night to finalize the will. But before he enters the meeting with the two, he stopped by Warren, who allegedly gives him $20,000. And Brewster's face is just <laughs> he had a little bit of excitement walking in there and he sees the 20,000 and it it was like you like he had a baby and it died in his arms almost i mean that that's the face that he has it's like wow the the utter defeat he has hit rock bottom beyond belief at yeah. this point so Monty is immediately upset thinking he's lost with the clock about to strike the midnight deadline he agrees to sign whatever paperwork the two men have he's like you know what I can't spend $20,000 in 15 minutes. It's a, you know, whatever. I'm done. So while Warren watches, Angela suddenly appears. And this is the best part. Warren discloses the condition of Monty's will and shows her the receipt that she missed the money for. And her eyes light up. She breaks up with the guy. She comes in. And I mean, what? There's like two minutes left? There's two minutes left when Monty starts to sign the papers. They're out talking. She breaks in. There's a minute left. She comes in and says, he lied. Warren lied. And that's when, <laughs> I love it when Monty gets up on the table and he, he realizes that he's been duped. Like, he knew that he had the 20000 but he thought that was just a mistake. And when he finds out that Warren was actively trying to sabotage him, he gets up, oh, you're my buddy, huh? And that's when she goes to take a swing at Warren. He's like, no, 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 you're a lady. I want you to stay a lady. And then here comes the right cross. Bang. Knocks Warren down. Warren says, I'm going to sue. I'm going to take everything you're worth. He says, I'm not worth nothing. I'm worth zero. <laughs> Go ahead. And, and yeah, it's, it's the great climax where it's like, oh, wait, if you're going to sue me, I'm going to need a lawyer. Yep. And uh, how about I give you a retainer for $20,000? Now, all right, here's my dumb question. During this process, is now midnight. The the bell the the chime is going. All right. This is like the cuckoo clock. The cuckoo's coming out. So is this technically you have the full fifty nine seconds from twelve zero zero to twelve zero one in order to to finalize well, just, this? Hey, just like in it, it's it's the movies, man. If it's gonna if the bell's gonna chime, you get to the last chime. Okay. 
you can tell that 12th thong. And because, yeah, it's like, I'm, I don't even have a law degree. You can get one with $20,000, which uh, this was the 80s. If you get a law exactly, degree, it's right? Great, but hey, more part to you. Like, well, you're going to need a receipt then. And she's frantically scribbling out a receipt as, as it clicks down the final 12 dongs. And thankfully, thankfully, she's able to get the receipt in his hands at the stroke of midnight. And he now has 30, 300, not 30, 300 million dollars. Right. Now, this is one movie that I wish the ending was a little bit longer to where I could see him say to John Candy, you won't believe what just happened. I want to see that yes. aftermath, you know? That always bothers me is that this ending sucks. Spike walks out beforehand and he's dejected. And you never get the resolution yeah. with Spike. Obviously, you get the resolution between Monty and his lady, but you never get the resolution on that. And the movie basically ends like, we got the money. All right. This, this, Done. Is, this is the ending where I love this ending so much. It, it's so great. It's so, you know, it's so tense. I love it. But I hate it at the same time because as soon as it's over, I'm like, but John Candy has gone through this whole entire journey with you and you can't have enough decency to do another two minutes just to, for us as the audience to see the face and Where, have them rekindle and hug it out and the movie's over. Richard Pryor walks into the bus terminal. There's John Candy sitting there with his big trunk. Yep. And he's like, what are you doing, Dell? And you're like, what? I mean, you could reuse footage from other movies if you have to. Right. <laughs> but no, I, yeah, I, I that always bothers me that there's never that resolution with that relationship if you're going to build a relationship don't abandon the relationship i'm talking to the to the filmmaker if you're going to build the, the relationship don't abandon it at the end don't put john candy on the poster if you're not going to end the movie <laughs> with him all right that's right that's what i'm saying <sighs> i but concur i concur too we, we're firing all on all cylinders on this movie son uh-huh all right sir so I, I love this movie. I really do. I have a crap load of fun with it. And it really is my favorite Richard Pryor movie. It, it really is. Um, it's not a perfect movie. No. Um, for sure. And there are those scenes that even as a kid just really bothered me in regards to the stuff I brought up. You know, the, the nun, you know, the whole voting thing is really annoying. And, and you know, just the stuff I talked about. I don't want to recycle it again. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think even with nostalgia, probably adding, you know, I think if I was to see this for the first time ever, I'd give it like three and a half stars. But I think yep. with the nostalgia, it makes it a solid four. I could never go over four stars. It was, it was always like, okay, it's got flaws, but I, lo- but because of how much I love all the other scenes, it makes it a solid four stars for me. That's where I'm at with this movie. Yeah, I, I dig it. It's, it's. It, among my favorite Richard Pryor movies, it really gets to showcase a lot of his charisma, um, which kind of gets lost in some of his other films. Um, obviously, John Candy's great. Um, yeah, I like I like to think. Now I know the names are different, but I like to think that John Candy is what the catcher from the Sandlot grew up to be. Ah. You know, back in the 50s, and he grows up and he becomes, and he's John Candy's character, especially when he's talking trash behind the plate during the Yankee game. Yeah. You know, just like, maybe, maybe that's maybe <laughs> that's hamburger, you know, growing up, or ham growing up. Anyways, uh, as far as the movie goes, uh, yeah, 
my score is actually the same as yours. It's four stars. You know, it's it's good, not great. Yeah, I could love a movie. It doesn't have to be a five star. Good right. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> come on. Um, <laughs> but it's it's an enjoyable time, and it's one of those movies, like I said, that was one of those that I could turn on and it would be halfway through the movie and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to sit down and watch the rest of this. No big deal. You don't, it, it, as long as you know what's going on, you know the rules of the bet and what have you. You can just pick up, have fun with it. Um, there is a chunk in there that kind of is boring and, and can be taken out, but uh, it's just, it's a good time. It's a fun time. And Richard Pryor, this was right before Richard Pryor started to um, have so many issues and problems and what have you that kind of derailed his theatrical career. Um, yeah, I dig it, man. Four yeah. stars. Good deal, man. I dig it. All right. Well, that's uh, that's what we got to say about Brewster's Millions. So let's hear what the STL Nation has to say about this movie, sir. All right. All right, so unfortunately, this is the first, folks. Uh, the first time in, I don't know what, two years that Time Traveling Peter has missed the deadline to email in. He you shut up. And, and I sent him a text yesterday. I'm like, don't forget to email in. You he big-timed us is what he did. Yeah. So, Peter big-timed us. So, so we have one email, sir, from a long-time listener. And uh, we have not heard from him in quite a long time, and that's John the Music Man. So oh, excellent. Good times. It's great to hear from you, sir. He's like, hello, Mike, and maybe Jameson. Yes, sir. It's been a while since I wrote in, but once I heard you guys were going to be doing this awesome movie, I had to write in and talk about this great movie and two great comedians. John Candy and Richard Pryor have always made me laugh in all their movies, and as a kid, I grew up on their movies as we have as well. Especially Richard Pryor had me rolling on the ground in this movie, how he reacted every time he earned more money on the most insane things. Who could think of an iceberg making money? It's always so crazy. An idea just had me laughing as well. John Candy's character, Spike played off Richard Pryor perfectly in this movie. Yet this movie seems to be a hidden gem to many people. Since I know a few people who remember this movie, but always uh, after watching it, they become fans. So I guess he's trying to say that the people who don't know about this movie, once they watch it, they still become fans. You know, it, it's still solid even today, for sure. So that yes. that was our email, sir, from uh, Love it. from John the Music Man. So thank you for writing in, sir. It's been good times. And Peter, disappointed in you, sir. Peter, you are no longer my favorite. <laughs> John has moved up to number one on my favorite listeners Yay. list. Yay! Number two, still Charlie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, sir. Uh, how about this? Before we roll into the music spotlight, I want to play a little game with you, sir. Ooh, I like games. Yeah, this is this is fun because we, we had a really good one. Uh, we played some good old uh, Busier Blank. That was fun, but I made up a fun game. And it's kind of more of a trivia to, to see you, uh, how how you would, uh, you know, be uh, on a desert island. So this, this is good times. All right, okay. sir. So here's here's the rules. So um, you are going to, uh, say for a year, you're going on an island, okay? It's by yourself. You can't take anybody with you. But you are allowed to bring five movies with you 
on this island to last you for a year. Now, we're not going to talk about power, batteries, or none of that crap. It doesn't <laughs> no. matter. The, the point is, is that you're allowed to take five movies with you, but here's the catch. The five movies is you need one movie from 1970, one movie from 1980, 1990, oh 2000, 2010. Now, that's in a 10-year period, in, in that decade period. So you got to pick basically one movie from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, and, and then recent, 2010 through 15. What would your five movies be? So starting with 1970. So we'll go together. You'll say one, and then I'll say one. So... Because I've always wanted to do this. Wow. So from 1970 to 1979, you got yeah. one movie to take with you. Oh, boy. I mean, there's the obvious one com- came out March, May 25th of 1977, but I am not going to choose Star Wars. Oh, this is the one of the rules. You're not allowed to take a series with you. I don't care if it's in a box set. Right. It's only one movie. One movie out of a series. One movie out of a series, exactly. Okay. So... I am going to pass on taking Star Wars. And I will take a movie that came out in 1975 that never, ever, ever gets old. And that is Jaws. I'm taking Jaws. Ooh, good choice, sir. Very good choice. Mm -hmm. I dig it. All right. So from this time period, I would definitely have to go with a movie that is still um, in. Let me see here. I'm trying to spell it so I can do the year it came out. Okay, so this is a film that uh, is in my top five favorite movies of all time. Uh, it is considered to me, it is still my all-time favorite horror movie of all time, and that's 1978's John Carpenter's Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can watch this movie any day of the week. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's Halloween time, but it makes it perfect. However, on the on the island, I would only watch this at nighttime when the sun goes down, just to give it the perfect atmosphere because. You know, just uh, watching it and hearing a little noise in the background, yeah, it could be a wolf coming up to eat me. So. I never thought about the fact that we're on an island and I'm watching Jaws. You know, at some point I'm going to have to go out into the water. <laughs> yeah. So Bad choice, Rabbit. Bad choice. There you go. So my, my pick is John Carpenter's, uh, John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978. That is my pick for my first movie. All right. All right, sir. 1980 to 1989. What is the one movie that you are going to pick? Boy, this is... <laughs> my man, you want to talk about a rough decade? I know, from. man. How many movies? We already said 1984, 1985 are the greatest years of film. So, right. But I have to go outside of those years, and I have to go right to the beginning of the decade. Okay. And what for me stands out as the greatest movie ever made. Uh, <sighs> oh man, there's so many movies. So good, dude. I have to do it, though. It's my favorite movie, and it, it's a movie that I could watch every night and never grow old, and that is Empire Strikes Back. Yes, I knew it. It has to be. It has to be. And when you're on a desert island, don't you want to be able to just watch the Hoth battle and just, you know, <laughs> it, when the sun's beating down on you and I'm watching Wampas and, and Ad-Ats, that's, that's what I need. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, and you're on a desert island, and you never know what, what you could find, so... You definitely need to know some 1984 karate. So I'm going to go with The Karate Kid, 1984. (laughs) My favorite movie of all time. How could I pick anything else besides The Karate Kid? 
So if if I could watch it this many times, I definitely could watch it plenty of times on a desert island from the eight. So Oh, I have no doubt. <laughs> no doubt whatsoever. So my pick from nineteen eighty four is the karate kid, son. So Whew. So now we get to the nineties. Nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety nine. What is your pick? This one's gonna be hard, man, because well, I man. So the 90s, I mean, look, I love the 80s, and I've said the 80s are the greatest movie, greatest decade for movies, but the 90s is when I grew up appreciating movies, loving movies, and just devouring movies. And I think the 90s was strong, and there's so many, oh my God, like prototypical 90s movies, like, God, you got, oh man, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I have one in my head, and I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I would take over, like, Seven's a great one from the '90s. Big Lebowski. Oh. Uh, I know you don't, but Big Lebowski. Movie. Yeah, I know, I know. Fight Club is one of my favorite movies, but oh, God, I, I, all right. So there's one movie that it sits near the top of my list all time, and just as I said with Brewster's Millions earlier, is the movie that I can turn on at any point at any time. And be completely enthralled by it, like I've never seen it before. As I'm quoting it, um, and it's just like it's a movie that would be fun. And while I'm on a deserted island, unable to get away, this might offer some hope and maybe some respite from my situation. And that is the 1994 classic movie based off the Stephen King novel, The Shawshank Redemption. Wow. Yeah, you, I will take Shawshank. Do you want to know what's scary? Is my movie is from 1994 as well. Yeah? Yeah, That that's scary. Well, that is an excellent choice. You're 1994. I'm, okay, so. What else came out in 94? All right. Forrest so, Gump. Your, your movie's Forrest Gump. Okay. This is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, no, get out of here. <laughs> this movie is, um, this is a movie that I, it is definitely, in my top 10 favorite movies of all time, I, I've seen it hundreds of times. It never gets old. It's always fascinating to me. Um, I I was in love with this actor. I uh, still am. And in my personal opinion, I still I, I prefer his martial arts over his father. And that would be Brandon Lee in The Crow, oh. 1994. Uh, I've always been a big Brandon Lee fan. Rapid Fire was just a fantastic movie to, to show off. Uh, not a fantastic movie. It's a crappy movie. But it's a, it's a he was just so funny. His martial arts, you know, from Showdown in Little Tokyo to Rapid Fire, he had a big sense of humor that he would use before he'd whoop your ass. And, uh, and then The Crow came out, which was uh, a quintessential comic book film. The, the, the movie... Should have been filmed in black and white, but they made this as close to black and white as possible. The color is great. The soundtrack is fantastic. I must have bought the soundtrack, I don't know, five, six times because it, it would just, the CD would just wear out because it was so good. Uh, I would always watch to see what's the scene he died in. You know, there would be these urban legends going around. But I had the movie poster, it got, it got wet. Uh, it got destroyed, but yeah, the crow I have seen so many times and I love it the mo every time from beginning to end. I, I love and adore this film just like I've seen it for the first time. So hands down 1994 would be the crow. So. And that's what, that's what you're looking for in a desert Island movie, a movie it, that never gets old. It never gets old ever. Yeah, that's a good choice. So that's a great movie. Yeah. So 2000 to 2009. All right. This is tough, but I'm going, I'm just going to go with the movie that I know I love and I know I've rewatched and a movie that I champion 
to everyone I can where I used to give out copies of this DVD. I would find it for like $2 and just and hand out copies of it to people that hadn't seen it. Uh, and that is a 2005 film starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt named Brick. Ooh, Brick. Yeah, I've heard about this I, oh, so many times. All right, you're getting a copy in the mail. Awesome. I No joke, there was one time I went to Walmart and they had, for some reason, they had brand new copies of this uh, for $2 on a clearance rack for $2. They had four of them. I bought all four and just started mailing them to people, <laughs> to friends of mine that hadn't seen it. Like, here, just, just here you go. Watch it. You're welcome. I love Brick and... Uh, it's it's a great, great mystery type uh, movie starring one of my favorite actors. I this would not get old. Wow, yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, man. Who who would have thought, man, that kid would grow up <laughs> to be one of the greatest actors of our generation? Man. <laughs> I've tried going back uh, on Hulu. Uh, every once in a while, Hulu will advertise like, "Hey, you should watch The Rock from the Sun." You know, I'm like, mm. so one day I tried. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try watching this again. And, uh, yeah, I made like two, two and a half episodes in like, oh God, I hate this show. Wow. And knowing Joseph Gordon-Levitt is Joseph Gordon-Levitt doesn't help. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) He still annoys me in that show. Uh, well, sir, I'm going to pick one, uh, a movie that I've seen a crap ton of times. Um, this was, this is the hardest part of picking was from, from this era because the, uh, it's part of a trilogy uh-huh. And sure uh, it is. yeah, <laughs> and, and, and the one that I pick is is the one that is the hardest to pick from. So, of course, I'm talking the Dark Knight trilogy. Which one am I going to pick? You're going is, number two. Oh, boy. Whew. So uh, I have narrowed it down and, and I've I've talked. I've thought of my love of Batman Begins, how much I love that movie. The fun <laughs> factor of Batman Begins, how they got everything right with Batman Begins. Batman Begins, five star film. The Dark Knight five-star films. Which one do I pick? And, of course, I've gone on record to say that Dark Knight Rises is my favorite of the trilogy and everybody. And that's a lo- that that's definitely a divided film, The Dark Knight, however, is mostly 95 love it, 5% hate it. So I'm, I think The Dark Knight is the safe bet because of the fact of I got the Joker in here to to make me laugh, to to be freaked out on those nights on the island that I just want to, you know, it, there's a storm coming or it's just a stormy night, as they say. Uh, the, the 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 night is darkest before the, uh, whatever the hell that line is. I forget. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, my favorite. I know. Old, uh, I don't yeah. forget it. <laughs> but uh, the, seeing seeing the, the, the Batmobile be destroyed and turn into the... You know the uh, the freaking bat cycle just tearing it up, man. It's just uh, it, it's a fantastic movie. It never gets old, and uh, yeah, it it's a movie that I, I would have to pick because it's got everything. It's got Bru- excellent Bruce Wayne scenes, excellent Batman scenes, the best Joker I have ever seen on film. Leaving reservation, of course, for for uh, for our man in Suicide Squad coming up. We'll see how he does. I, I have full faith in Jared Leto. But at this point, Heath Ledger, which I had absolutely loved him from 10 Things I Hate About You, just proved everybody wrong. And Aaron Eckhart, this is the the, bat, the, the last best performance I've seen from Aaron Eckhart, unfortunately, uh, was in this film. So I got to go with The Dark Knight 2008. So, Yeah, I'm not surprised. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that you like that movie. I got to have Batman with me at some point. And, you know, if uh, 1989's Tim Burton, just Batman kills folks. So I, it's hard for me to forgive. So True enough. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. So we got 2010 through 2015. So we only have five years to play with, but we are allowed that fifth movie. So from the past five years, what would be the movie you would pick? All right. This, to me, is actually the... Let me double check the year on this real quick. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Before I say this, let me quickly double check the year and make sure I'm right. Okay. All right. I just, just made it in. Okay. Right? When did this movie come out? Oh, Uh, I'm looking. Okay. Yep. 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 Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Yeah. This movie just came out in the, uh, uh, in 2010. Uh, So this was the, actually the easy choice for me because it's one of my favorite movies and it is. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. For real? Yes. Scott Pilgrim versus the world is among my favorite comic book, uh, my favorite superhero movies ever. I think it is a perfect movie. Wow. And I just absolutely cannot get enough of it to the point where I have a Scott Pilgrim. I do not put bumper stickers on my car, but I have a Bill Murray and a Scott Pilgrim bumper sticker on my car. I just love this movie and would love to just have fun watching that every night before I before I put in Jaws and get terrified uh, laying next to the water. Wow. Yep. Well, that that is amazing. So, all right, if if I'm got to pick my final movie, this is going to be a movie that I got to have some fun with, I got to have some laughs with, and I got to have some hope on one day I'll be able to get off the island. And, and, and maybe I could use a car to do that. Uh, so I got to go with my favorite franchise of all time from the Fast and the Furious. Uh, even though... Uh, Furious 6 is my favorite. I'm going to go with Fast 5 for my number 5 movie because there is so much greatness in Fast 5. It's the first time The Rock... uh, I mean, this really... Rock, at this point, needed this movie as much as the movie needed The Rock because The Rock had made some some lame, crappy Disney movies and had left behind his action years, and he came back... Uh, about 200 pounds bigger than he was the last <laughs> time you saw him. He he had no neck, and he wanted to let the world know, I am back, and I am going to kick some ass. And uh, we had so many amazing scenes in this film. And and the thing is, the comedy is so gold in this movie. Uh, it's, it's fantastic from beginning to end. I love Fast Five. It's fantastic. Uh, even though Furious 6 I, is a tad bit better for me, uh, I gotta go with Fast Five. Uh, even though Furious Seven, man, you know, I, I'm still, I have to see it again. I've only seen it once, you know, and I've seen Fast Five and Six so many times right. that I have the order of, of these movies. Which without Seven, I've always, I've actually gone Six, Five, Four, Two, Three, One. Everybody always puts Two last, but with Seven in there, I think I was at Six, Seven. Or six, seven, five, four. Three. So you're like, well, why would you pick five then if it's your third favorite? But it's because there's so there's more there's so much comedy in this one that number six doesn't have a lot of, and number seven has very little of. And the Rock versus the Vin fight was fantastic. Uh, just overall, it's just the perfect form- formula for me to, you know, have fun on those nights that I'm depressed and want to kill myself. So. <laughs> Yeah, I thought about I thought about maybe for the '90s taking the movie alive. That yeah, might be a good one. You know, you get hungry. Yeah, you know you I, you wouldn't offer much to eat, but 
you know. Yeah, I I literally am shocked that you're Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I really, really, I really am. I I think it is a fantastic movie. I really do because I I yeah, I, I never had would ever think that you would ever pick that. Really, never in a million years. You just didn't picture me as loving Scott Pilgrim versus the World, right? I know Jason loves that movie, you know, but and and I and I definitely dig it. But and it's a movie that I thought I would absolutely hate, mm-hmm. absolutely hate, you know. Especially all the the gay roommate stuff is hilarious. Oh my! It's gosh. just it, yeah. It, to me, it's a perfect movie. I absolutely love that movie. And, and Captain America's in there, and and yeah. and old Superman was in there. Yeah. So good times, man. So this was a fun game. You sprung this on me. This was. I mean, top of the head, thinking of answers, but this this was fun. I liked it. I hey, let's pick some other genres to do next time. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, I thought like that next time we could do okay. So you got no, don't spring it on me. I don't want to think. Okay, I want it top of the head. Top of the head. Okay, just coming. Yeah, I like that. Good. That deal. was made me scramble. Awesome. Good deal. All right. Well, I, I am glad you dug that. And let's roll into the music spotlight, sir. Here comes the ready and now. Here comes the boys from the sack. All right, so the music spotlight, man. Uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of this year, 2015, man. There's been some good tunes, but I think the music's kind of weak this year. You know, last year was fantastic. I mean, I had a I had a top 20 by like June and I was just like, damn. But this year I, it's going to be hard for me to have a top 10, man. I'm waiting for some for some artists to release some stuff. So, uh, I've gone some old school these past 2 weeks, son. And I've gone to a particular artist, so uh, hopefully you'll dig with dig with me on this one. But uh, I'm kind of feeling some Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been doing the Britney stuff like oh. two weeks. I've been just cruising, just did some. Uh, Oops, I did it again. Baby, one more time. I wanted to think, what are your top five pop songs of all time? And I'm like, easily, baby, one more time is in there in that list. So I was like, I'm gonna listen to some Britney Spears. But oops, I did it again. I don't know. It's just, it's just been something I've been constantly listening to. So, <laughs> what do you, what do you think, sir? <laughs> go for it. <laughs> hey, you, you did say that you can't go wrong with some Britney Spears. I, 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 I did say that. I, I have, uh, I have stated that. Yes. So, what's your favorite Britney song, sir? Because John the Music Man, our, our guy who wrote in, Britney Spears is his favorite. But he he never he never holds the flag high. He always thinks of her as a guilty pleasure. But I hold that I hold that flag high. I'm like, be proud. I really love uh, Toxic. Really? Yeah, I think Toxic's a really good one. Wow. <laughs> Must be the video, I guess, huh? The video's good too. You know, a song that I absolutely love is if you seek Amy and I'm just like god this song is so is so bad that I can't let my kids listen to it and then and then one day they listen to it I'm like what are you doing why did you listen to that song good, what are good, doing? good good thing they have no idea so sir uh, but we could do what we did last time where we pulled up the songs of the year and go from there but 1985 though we already did so that's why I was like yeah. well I got to go with the newer song so how about you do you, do you have a song that you want the nation to hear on your last episode of STL until next year. <laughs> I'm just joking about that. Nope. You got nope. nothing. I got nothing. I don't know. I, a... I just burned all my creativity trying to think of movies. Oh my god. I'm exhausted. Oops, I did it again. Yes. 
All right. That's that explains what I think every time I come back on STL. <laughs> Oops, I did it again. <laughs> oh man, it's uh, me. Oh, so oh, I'll man. tell you, man. Uh, I'm I'm actually excited about the Terminator, man. The more previews I see, the newest one I saw is more footage of Arnold yeah. fighting his younger self, and I'm like, wow, that looks really good. So uh, I'm James Cameron. Uh, I posted the video in the group about how James Cameron loved the movie and thought and thinks of it as the true part three. I was sold at that point because I wasn't going to go see in the theater. I know you are because you have to. But now I'm really sold. So uh, I'm kind of wondering what our next movie should be since, you know, we always do Arnold and stuff. We should probably think of something of uh, next time we get together. What what should we do with the nation, sir? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. Because Brewster's Millions, that was like, yeah, we were just talking about that. So Exactly. Yeah. I know. Might have to put it up to a vote. Put it up to a Yeah, but... The Does thing, that ever do anything? It, people. Know, people don't vote anymore. Yeah. They're, people are jerks. <laughs> yeah, you hear that? I'm talking to you. Yeah. Whatever ha- whatever happened to some of our crew, man? Where's Tawana at, man? I was just thinking of Tawana the other day. I was actually... Uh, I don't know what it was for some reason. Oh, I was going through some old audio files I had, and Tawana, much like yourself, had sent in an audio file to uh, Movie Mojo Monthly for Defend Your Movie. Remember that segment? Yep, yep. And uh, I was going through some old audio files the other day and stumbled across a Tawana defending some movies, uh, defending Jennifer Garner and such. It was a pretty good time. <laughs> Tawana, if you hear my voice, I miss you. Send me a message. Let me know you're doing all right. <laughs> I think she's still alive. I don't. I did hear from Lisa the Legend though, because yeah. uh, you know a few a few uh, July June fourth was the anniversary of when uh, good old uh, uh, Billy Zabka came on man for the hundredth episode. And uh, have you seen his commercial that he's done? Uh, the one where those guys are in a bar and they're like talking about sports and and Johnny's in his gi and he stands I up can't. and he yells at him. You haven't seen that commercial? No, I have, yes. Oh, you have? Okay. Yeah. I was like, what? You're not watching TV? <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. So, <sighs> idiots. What, what am I going to do with you? What about, I uh, got to catch up real quick on TV before we end this off. Uh, end okay. this. What, what have you been watching recently that you've been, uh, you know, digging or it's over and you, you're, you're glad it's coming back or you're sad that it's gone? All right. There's only one show that I've been watching recently. I have really not been in front of the TV hardly at all recently with, uh, rehearsing and, and all these other things that are going on. So uh, the only show that right now for me is appointment television is Wayward Pines. Wayward Pines, I am fully 1,000% invested in. That's the Mad Dillon show, correct? Yes, yes. and it is excellent. And, um, you know, I, I kind of watched the first episode. My wife was watching it, and I was kind of halfway paying attention to it. Um and didn't watch it and didn't watch it. And, and the end of the third episode, I spoke with a friend of mine, Ian. And Ian was telling me, like, dude, you got to watch it, man. It's great. You got to watch it. And I'm like, ah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and he says, just watch through the third episode. I'm like, all right. And I did. And there was a the last five seconds of the third episode blew me away. I'm like, oh, I got to see the next one. Fourth episode, which just came out last week. Something happens in the last five minutes. I'm like, ah. Now, there is also... Uh, this, you know, it, it hasn't been under advertised, but M. Night Shyamalan has a hand in this project. Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which leads me to think maybe there's a possibility of a reclamation project for M. Night Shyamalan. Maybe he can fix his career, but uh, Wayward Pines has me fully hooked right now. So. Okay, so this is about a guy that basically wakes up in a town. Okay. 
um, doesn't know where he is. It, it has a very um, Twin Peaks feel to it for a while. Um, Matt Dillon wakes up in this small town of Tall Pines, has no idea what's going on, uh, has no memory. He's a, he's a Secret Service agent. Uh, sent, and he was trying to track down another agent, whatever. Um, but the town knows nothing about what he's talking about. It's, and it's filled with people, Juliet Lewis, Terrence Howard, um, a bunch of people that you would know. Um, and things aren't what they seem, uh, for a long time. You are very confused, just like he is. You're piecing the other story. I like that they don't cut away a lot to show you like, wow, oh, this is what he doesn't know, you know? Right, you're figuring it out with him, which is fun. It's a bit of a mystery and a bit of a head trip. So I, nice. they, I still don't know what's going on, um, uh, in the whole story of it. The, the, there's a there's a scientist involved. The the German scientist from Captain Captain America. Yeah, yeah, he is uh, he is a scientist in this one, and just it's it's crazy. I'm digging it. All right, I'm gonna have to check that out. Did you catch up on the Flash and Arrow? I caught up on neither. No. Mm. <laughs> I was thinking about it and I said it. Are you plan no. are you planning on it? Uh when time permits, yeah. Yeah. Now do you know whatever that is. Do you know about the new spin-off show from Flash and Arrow? It's called Legends of Tomorrow. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So unfortunately, since you know some of the characters in there, some of the spoilers aren't really gonna be I mean, well, I mean, when certain things happen in Arrow and Flash, you're not going to be like, oh, my gosh, because you're like, well, that person's going to show up on that show. So that kind of right. that kind of ruins it a little bit. But but, yeah, you know, uh, as far as, you know, how about is Sarah still watching Pretty Little Liars? Because that just started up again. I think she is, I believe, because we just saw the thing on Hulu that it's on Hulu or Netflix or one of those. And well, yeah, yeah. I think she's watching it. Yeah. Last season started the day that the new season kicked on uh, yeah i think she's actually doing both because i believe the new season's on hulu okay awesome because this is the end of the this is the beginning of the end there's only yeah there's only this season and one more to go and that's it and it's been really solid it's been super fun times uh for me because it you know let's face it this is summertime uh you know the summertime shows are going to be coming on which team wolf will be coming back but uh real quick we did scream together and, and we, <laughs> we had, we had a fantastic time talking about it, but we got a scream TV show that's coming out. Right. <laughs> and, uh, the mask, they, they had to change the mask and the mask is a, basically a hybrid of Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees. Uh, this show is either going to be very good or very terrible. It's not going to be in between. That, that that's my mask. Thoughts. That mask reminds me of a doll that I blew up one time at a kegger. <laughs> are, are you are you even remotely going to try to watch this show? There is a less than five percent chance of me putting any effort any effort into watching this show. Okay, and and that's saying you didn't have all your podcasts that you do. Okay. Yeah. And and you didn't go to the theater, you know, four times a week. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, let's just say normal normal time frame. Uh, get home from work. You're hanging out with the family, yeah. and you're like, I want to watch something. Okay. Where would where would the new Scream show fall into your list? If you, eh, I mean, I would curiosity would have me wanting to watch it. Okay. Um, you know, yeah. If if time wasn't a factor, and you know, I have to really pick and choose my free time watching, you know? Um, but it, yeah, it, the, the curiosity factor would probably play in, but it's also probably one of those shows that I would wait. I'd let you watch it. Yeah. And I'll get a couple episodes out of you and be like, all right, I'll gauge that. And then, okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll 
dig into it, but yeah. uh, and and still, that's probably still the case because I know you'll watch it and you'll give your opinion, and then that will inform whether I want to try and dig this thing up. Yeah, especially since you know I love everything, and if I hate it, obviously you will love Scream Four. Suddenly, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't love it. Okay. Uh huh. I I like it. All, All right. right. Um, you like like it? No. I I do. I I because. I did some I did some reading on this thing. So the scene that everybody hates, the whole uh, the whole uh, knife Beginning. in the head, and and the guy freaking walks, and you're like, how is that possible? Evidently, that was something that Wes Craven had read, and he threw it in the movie because that was one of the scenes I hated. I also hated the beginning very much, and then I'm like, eh, it's kind of growing on me. So it, it's kind of like a ingrown hair. It it, it you know it's gr- it's growing on me, I guess. So. <laughs> What a glowing review. <laughs> glowing review. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's all right. You know, it is. It's it's there. But uh, the the Rock evidently has a TV show coming out. Did you know this, sir? Ballers. What? And it's a it, yeah, it's going to be on HBO. It's called Ballers. It's about football, and it's evidently a comedy. I thought it was going to be a drama, but it's going to be on HBO. Call Ballers comes out in the a few Rock weeks. isn't now. I've heard of Ballers because there's some. Uh, yes, Dwayne Johnson is in this TV show every. Yeah, there's episode. some issues with, um, I guess, some uh, athletes being portrayed in this thing, and I have. I that's all I've read was the sports side of it. That apparently there's some issues with some athletes. Yep, it that's is. All I know. Yeah, yeah, he's he's in this movie or well, this TV show. Yeah, he's got to have something to do when he's not doing everything else. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh! But <laughs> you know, I, let I, me know how that is too. By the way, oh, I will. And are you still pissed off at wrestling? <laughs> I don't watch a lot of wrestling. <laughs> oh my gosh! What do you do? Are you sending me photos, son? I don't do anything. I'm just sitting here talking. Chief Common loves Scream 4. I'm sitting here talking on America's favorite podcast behind the ones I do. Oh, my gosh. What happened? He sent me a picture. Keep Calm and love Scream. Scream 4. Scream 4. Yes. Yeah. You can love Scream all you want. Yeah. Scream's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Team Wolf. Team Wolf is always solid. Uh, I'm waiting for that. That's going to be coming out. But the thing is, the thing I got to end on is uh, I got to give much props and respect to my boy Jason Watson over in STL Nation because Batman Arkham Knight is coming out, the final game in the trilogy. It's coming out in a few weeks on the 23rd. I've taken work off to play this game. I'm going to midnight, uh, you know, opening on the 22nd. But he hooked me up with some PlayStation exclusive stuff, so I, w- I want to give him props. I won't say what it is because it is illegal for me to display uh, and, and confess this information. So, uh, but I, my I, God, it yeah. sounds like you just about outed the man. Yeah, I know. You just uh, you gave they, his middle name and where his address is, so the feds can find him. Nah, it's cool. We we our our playstations are linked now, so we we share a bunch of content. So he he hooked me up. He downloaded the digital version. So when you do that, you get exclusive stuff. So I got to have it, so I didn't have to blow sixty dollars just to get the, just to get the content, and then the extra stuff that I get from the physical stuff. Uh, he's gonna, you know, we're gonna share it. So it's what we do because we're bros. It's all good in the hoods. It's what we do. It's what we do. So, uh, is there anything else that we should talk about, sir? It's about that time because you and I, we decided about this time we were gonna end things. And uh, yeah, yeah. I got, I got a late dinner to get to. Yeah, I got a late dinner to get to myself. Oh yeah, I'm gonna have some. I'm gonna hear breaking news. I'm probably gonna have Mickey Mouse chicken fingers. 
What? Mickey Mouse chicken nuggets. That's what they are. Oh, okay. Where's that from? McDonald's? <laughs> no, no. We've got a five pound bag from Costco of Mickey Mouse chicken nuggets. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, terrible. It's okay to be jealous. Now, now are you gonna are you gonna fry those? Are you gonna microwave them? Because you know microwave it tastes pretty disgusting. These are going right into the oven. Right. Probably Very... probably eleven minutes at four twenty five, I'm guessing. Very good. Now yeah. now how do you eat those? Do you eat those with, with ketchup like everybody else? Uh I don't believe in using ketchup for anything. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? No. Ketchup. No. Get the hell out of here. No. Come on. Ketchup is for children. <laughs> Mustard is what you put on everything. Oh, my God. You're disgusting. I dip my fries and my nuggets in the mustard. Oh. <sighs> Yes, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get out some of my spicy mustard because if you don't know, Michael, next time you're up into this <laughs> neck of the woods, uh, my town of beautiful Madison, Wisconsin, is home to the National Mustard Museum, a place where you can go and and uh, taste and purchase up to twenty thousand different mustards. You can taste every single one of them if you'd like while you're there. Well, I tried one time and I got horribly sick. They taste the same. Uh, if you, oh my God. If you ask our our good friend and fellow podcaster Jason Spencer, you will know that I have mailed him many a mustard in my day. Uh, and, and what does Mr. Spencer think of these? I mailed him a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale mustard, which he put on a delicious ham sandwich and gave two thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, I like, dude. If you will come, look, this is we're we're going deep cover right now. If you open my fridge, you will find in upwards of thirty different things of mustard. All of them to be used instead of ketchup. Oh. All right. What is wrong with you? No, I'm the right one here. <laughs> All right, you wanna you wanna hear how gross I am? Okay, so yes. I I am one of the few people in this world that like liver. I know people are liver and onions. <laughs> I know you're throwing up right now. I actually eat liver with ketchup. Yeah, that's one thing I do. Come on. For real. This pa- is made up. For, for, I'm dead serious. I swear to God Almighty himself. Uh, uh, roast, pot roast. I don't eat the vegetables or anything. I take the roast out and then I eat it with ketchup. What? For real. Dead serious. Um, the Masunas eating habits. What have you done? Yeah. Um, I used to, for salads, I would only eat garlic dressing, but they stopped making it. So now I have, I like to find garlic ranch because I hate ranch, but garlic ranch is pretty good. But now I can't find that anymore. So now I just stop eating salad altogether. Wow. Yeah. But ketchup, man, ketchup, I, I, you know, fries, onion rings, burgers, uh, hot dogs, mustard is good on my sandwiches, on my Subway, uh, on my burgers, on your uh, everything. Ice cream. Ice cream. Whatever you need it on. No. Just shots of mustard when you need it. Just a a quick wake me up. Now, have you seriously, now, talking serious here. Yes. Have you ever put mustard on ice cream? I have. Real talk. Yes, I have. Real talk. I have put. (laughs) Real talk now. I enjoy trying many different toppings on my ice cream. I have used the Frank's hot sauce as a topping for my (laughs) ice cream and and created a, a Frank's hot sauce. Uh, shake that is delicious now do you take your wendy's chili and do you dip your fries in there oh yeah that's that's good eating right there kid that that's something i learned from my kids that's good right there i thought it was gross until i tried it you know what else is good if you're dipping fries and you're at wendy's is also to dip your fries into your into your chocolate uh what have you yes yes i agree i i I do the same thing smoothie yes Yes. now 
Now, now we're talking. How about a all right? Drink? Let's get into this. Yeah, now. Come let, on. let's second wind. I'm really hungry. We're gonna make the STL hungry while we when we end this thing. Okay. What about a Dorito sandwich? And this is now. This is you take a you take two pieces of bread. You put mayonnaise on on each slice, and then you take your Doritos, and then you you take your hands and you crush it, and then you eat it. And that's a Dorito sandwich. I got this from my sister-in-law. It mm. sounds disgusting, but it's very good. Have you ever had this, sir? No, I can't do it. Are you gonna? Although tr- I do enjoy putting reg- regular potato chips on many a sandwich. I take pickles and put those on my uh, on my sandwiches. Well, that's delicious. Pickles are going everything. Heck yeah. Let's keep doing this. <laughs> exactly. It's like a new game. <laughs> now, now, the most disgusting thing that might... show is derailed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we have the reviews on iTunes that we do. Because Masunas and Jameson take everything and turn it around and, and make people laugh. And that's They're... what we do. That's what they come to expect from us. So we must deliver when they put their ears to the show. This, I'm recommending psychological help. This is what we do. Okay, now, disgusting food that my children eat is peanut butter and pickle sandwich. Disgusting. I could probably get down with that. Peanut, That's, that does not sound bad. Peanut butter and pickles yep. in a sandwich, uh-huh. and, you, and you eat it. I could, I might, I'm going to try that. Oh, I could get down with that. You could get down with that. Yeah. Okay, so I've admitted that I eat liver, which most people, I'm assuming you're not a liver eater. No. I, I do pee green. I'm not an animal. I do pee green after I eat liver. Jesus. <laughs> Just so you know, it's it's pretty cool. That's one of the reasons I like to eat it is because I'm like, oh, I'm going to pee like Incredible Hulk right now. Wow. All right, so what's the disgusting food you eat, sir? Uh, nothing I eat is disgusting, Michael. It's all delicious. I don't think so. You got to have something that is a guilty pleasure. What is your guilty pleasure food? We're talking Gosh. guilty pleasure movies. Gosh. What's your guilty pleasure food? I can't see. Nothing seems like it's good. <laughs> Everything seems normal to me. It's guilty. Okay. Okay. I don't know if this is guilty pleasure, but I am, by ancestry, I am uh, a quarter Armenian. And Armenians, we like to cook a lot of food, uh... We cook food wrapped up in grape leaves and uh, eat that. I do enjoy uh, what we call sarma. It is uh, uh, it's meat and rice wrapped up in a grape leaf and uh, boiled, and we eat that. It's delicious. Wow. Really good. I have never it's, heard of this. It's among my top three favorite foods ever. For real? Yeah. It's really good. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of our deserted island, you could only take three kinds of food with you. What would oh it gosh, be? That's one of them. <laughs> burgers, God, chick- so burgers, and chicken. Those are my two right there. Mm. Oh my gosh, I could. Chicken is, I think, my favorite food. I could eat any kind of chicken, man. It's so good. Oh my gosh. Okay, uh, here you go, Mr. Chicken. Uh, when I was a kid, one of my favorite foods to eat, I would beg my mom to make, is uh, boiled chicken hearts and gizzards. Oh. Yeah, I would beg her to get uh, chicken hearts and chicken gizzards from the butcher, and she would bring them home and boil them, and I would sit and eat them while I was watching TV. Yeah. And you're still alive? Yeah, and I haven't had them in forever, but I do remember like just sitting and watching like Dukes of Hazard and eating chicken hearts. Now, for the love of God, please tell me you've never had sushi, because I've seen enough worms <laughs> in people's x-rays. <laughs> To, oh, please tell me All you've right. never done that. I don't eat seafood. Uh, I cannot stand the 
fishy taste of seafood. So, but when I was a young kid, when I was nine or 10, 10 years old, uh, we were out visiting relatives out in California and they took me my first entree into trying sushi, a, a young kid, a hot dogs and hamburgers kid who just wants to go see Disneyland. Uh, we went to a place right out on the wharf in San Francisco and the first thing they made me try was raw octopus wrapped in seaweed. Oh. Right? Who does that to somebody? And instantly, <laughs> I remember vividly, like, no, I'm not eating this crap. And like, eat it. Like, no. Oh, and I took a bite, and it was all chewy. It was like eating a, it was like oh. eating a water balloon. Like, I'm just all super chewy and gross. And I got, I suddenly didn't feel well. And I went for what I thought was the bathroom. I had two choices to make in this restaurant, and I cut right in what I thought was going to lead to the bathroom, which actually led to their wine area, which was like a big room filled with wine bottles that did not have an exit the way I was heading. And oh. <laughs> like holding my mouth, oh. this guy comes like, can I help you? Like, oh. <laughs> wow. That's my first memory of sushi. And I'm not a fan. You know, have you ever had a food that you ate as a kid and you got sick from it? And you never ate it again. Like for me, it was Wendy's. I ate at Wendy's one time and I think it was, it was like 110 degrees out over in uh, Tennessee. There was no air conditioning and maybe I was just dehydrated or whatever, but because I got sick off of Wendy's, I never ate it for 15 years. I uh, have two that come to mind real quick. And one is uh, cooked carrots. I cannot eat cooked carrots. I love raw carrots. I can't eat cooked broccoli, cauliflower, carrots, any of that stuff because my mom used to overcook them when I was a kid and they would be all slimy. Ooh. And I remember uh, throwing up on the kitchen table one time and she made me eat them. <laughs> and I have sworn as an adult, I will never eat those. I don't, no one can make me eat them. So that is out. Also, uh, when I was a child, my mom, we lived way out in the country. We were a little house on the prairie type stuff. And uh, so I was begging for a shamrock shake. And it was a half hour to McDonald's from where we lived. And my mom's, like, I'm not making, no, I will make you a shamrock shake. So she made me a shamrock shake, only she used like 20 times the amount of peppermint uh, extract or what have you that you would need. <laughs> it was <laughs> the grossest. But I'm choking because this, this is my shamrock shake. I'm going to take it. And no sooner did I finish chugging this shamrock shake than it came back up. And I don't know, Mike, if you've ever had this experience, but have you ever had brain freeze from throwing up ice cream? Yes. That's an experience as you're throwing up still frozen ice cream and get a brain freeze from it. Yes. Yeah. And so that's what I got. And then I, it took me forever. I mean, I worked at McDonald's and still refused to try the shamrock shake again. It was probably five years ago when I like broke down, the kids were begging me. I'm like, all right, let me have a sip of this thing. <laughs> you're like, that's not half bad. That's not what I remember. <laughs> Like, um, jeez, I'm, I'm happy that my kids, I, I am not a vegetable person. The only vegetables I eat, are, like you, is raw carrots and I'll eat corn, which as of now is a stupid fruit, whatever. But green beans, uh, I don't do any of that stuff. My kids love, love vegetables, but uh, I never. You tell them, no, yeah. you don't eat those stupid vegetables. Yes. I, I, whenever I go to KFC, I got to get freaking two big ass things of green beans because everybody eats all that instead of the chicken. I'm like, I do love some green beans, some asparagus. Oh my God. Yeah, it's crazy. Spinach? Spinach might be the greatest food on earth. You know, stuffing was the thing that I hated as a kid and I love as an adult. 
It's funny because they always said your taste buds change like every five years. And I, and I always prayed every time I went to bed, I was like, God, please don't let me ever hate hamburgers. <laughs> I see you still do. I see Michael <laughs> Basunas on his knees tonight praying the same prayer. Thank you, God. Please watch from me. And please don't let me ever hate hamburgers. Like you're wimpy from Popeye. Uh, don't ever let me hate hamburgers. You, you know the prayer cards in church? I'd be, fill, I'd be filling those out. I put, you know, <laughs> Lord, hear my prayer that I still love hamburgers in five years. That that is Lord hear my prayer in church that 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 pastor has to read every every Sunday. So yes, uh, hamburgers are are the thing that I pray for every night that my taste buds will never never reject. You know this is this has the feel of like an after dark episode now. Yeah, this second this second <laughs> portion feels like STL after dark. Kind of like Baywatch nights. This that's how this feels to me. Uh, the question is, do I release it as a full episode or by itself? I don't know. That, that's oh, the man. question. The, the point is to get everybody hungry after this, I guess. But I'm starving right now. <laughs> I, I, I am too. <laughs> I don't. Somebody's got to preheat that oven for me because this, otherwise this is going to turn into a microwave job and that is not going to end well. Oh, man. Well, I guess I guess we should call it uh, call it a night on, on our food talk. We should. Sure. O- I guess we should open a restaurant together or something, even though I, the only things I know how to cook our hamburger helper, chili, uh, macaroni and cheese. Uh, uh-huh. um, I know how to make spaghetti. I'm, I'm man, I kick ass at spaghetti. Uh, let's like see. see what we need is my. You know my kids. My middle one. Yeah. My, my nine year old Landon is his goal in life right now is to get on Master Chef Junior. Ooh. And so he has been making. He makes probably five meals a night for us. For real. The kid can cook. Man. The kid wants to be, he no longer wants to be a professional wrestler. Now he wants to be uh, the greatest American soccer player ever and a professional chef. Well, I'm in, man. Yeah. Hey, I'm in. Because that kid can, he got his own little chef's head and a little cutting set, uh, the whole nine. So so how many times are you going to the store a week to, to, to provide the essentials needed to Look, create these foods? I don't go to the store at all. <laughs> <laughs> my lady friend <laughs> your lady friend takes care uh of. yeah you go to the store every day but you know hey he made these amazing little french dip roll up things the other night for myself our whole family my sister my brother-in-law my ma everybody it, it was great oh it's some au jus he made some au jus to dip it in fabulous man. good stuff yeah yeah that's what you're missing out on teach your kids to cook man you know when, when you got to well, I, I know you will never come to my neck of the woods. You, you oh, love, God, you, I don't cross the border. You love my uh, my Superman picture. Oh, my Superman picture. So, I'm terrified to go to your neck uh, of the woods. Oh, my gosh. It's it's a picture of Superman 3 where Superman is uh, is is doing his drink. And it's like, uh, I fight crime everywhere, but not that Rockford, you know, F that crap. F that crap. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, you know, I make some killer tacos, man. I'm telling you, I think if you, if you would stop by. You know, I make some killer tacos because you know we we do the we do the wrestling pay per view thing at one every every month, and uh, we either do tacos or pizza. But uh, I make some pretty killer tacos. But uh, now, Michael, I have been to your town one time in my life. I played football against your esteemed pretzel makers one yes, time, and they're still the pretzels, which is dumb. I but it. I love it. I love it. What I need to know is because in my memory now, this this is like twenty one years ago. We were down there last. Sure. Um. In my memory, the entire town. Because you're because you're because you're 55, but go on. It was. I was. 
I was 17 at the time when we came down there. Right. Um, uh, in my memory, the entire town smells like pretzels and the houses are made out of pretzels. Can you confirm that? The houses are made of brick. Mm. No pretzels. Uh, the high school has a huge pretzel logo. Yes. Uh, there's an amazing football field. Yes, uh, the field is amazing. If you've ever seen Varsity Blues, folks, that is my town. Everything you see in Varsity Blues, from buildings to the downtown area, that is exactly how my town looks. So, I but- don't want your life. <laughs> Is that because that <laughs> that's my favorite part of the movie? Oh my gosh! Oh man! You know what I love about that is Billy Bob plays Billy Bob and not another teen movie. That's what's uh-huh. so fantastic. Yeah. And now he's like what? Now, now the guy weighs like 110 pounds. Yeah, he's unrecognizable. It's creepy, and I don't like it. Crazy. He needs to gain some weight. Hey, uh, fat guy's got to stick together. Yeah, man. right. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, the pretzels uh, does it doesn't smell like pretzels, unfortunately. You know what, Mike? You're really you have lost all your selling points for the town. I was actually thinking about coming down next week if the houses were made of pretzels oh, oh. and the town smelled of pretzels. Whatever. Go blow smoke up your <sighs> I'm sorry, Michael. I can't make it down. We both know that you would never, ever, 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 ever. What movie is that from? <laughs> never. Ever, 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 ever. Uh, I tell you what, we meet at the border, you exchange the tacos, and I go back home. Well, I am coming to the zoo soon, so yikes! Yeah, we we got we got to we got to do another picture for the STL Nation, son. Goo! Yeah, like, hey, okay, here we here we go, here we go, here we go. If for anyone that's still listening, God <laughs> help you, you sick bastards, whoever's still listening at Peter. this point. Peter, Peter is no, you don't say the name of Peter right now to me. He chose not to. Charlie, it's you and me, buddy. Just you and me. I want whoever is still within the sound of our voices to tell me. We need uh, submissions on a pose that you want from Michael and I when we get together. Not just the standing there looking stupid, smiling, what have you. Nah. Not, not, not me running and hitting you in the back of the head. Like that, a, was, that, yeah. was, that was fun. I want submissions for a pose for this photo. Do, I mean, I, I don't care. Charlie's Angels. We do whatever. We got me giving you an F5. Whatever it takes. <laughs> whatever pose the people want, the people are going to get. And I want people to go on them, go on everywhere. Put it at the town hall, ring the bell, put it on the Facebook, whatever. What do you want me to do to Michael in this picture? Which you, is what it comes down to, you basically. Sick bastard. I know. How about an RKO? Can I do an RKO on you? You can try. Dude, I could try to do an RKO and like I'd slip and fall and yeah, you'd, you would. you'd stare, you'd be there just laughing at me. Anything that involves you and my neck might be a problem because I don't have a neck. Oh, that's right. I don't want to touch those things. <laughs> <laughs> Your disgustingness. Ooh. Yes. I'll show you some more pictures. Oh my gosh. Uh, let's get the, let's get out of here. All right, let's do it. Let's play some oops. I did it again. Yeah. Call it a day, man. So let's do it. Well, thank you, sir, uh, again for joining me. Um, everybody knows where to find you. We don't need to pimp your stuff cause you're a podcasting slut. Right. So, so it's all good in the hood. Uh, I look forward to talking to you again. I, ho- I hope it's sooner than later and, uh, maybe we'll figure out a movie at some point. So perhaps, perhaps, I guess if the nation wants to do a vote, let's do it. So in the meantime, I'll talk to you later, sir. All right. And, uh, uh can't wait <laughs> Tawana, message me. You guys have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Off the rails. I'm sorry. <laughs>
Uh, let's go eat, sir. You guys right. have a good one. Take care. Soon as up. Hey man, why don't we get how how much time we got? I have until eleven thirty. For real? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I got till nine. So. Oh God, I have to eat dinner at some point. So okay, all right. I can't go till nine. All right, so we'll try to be done by eight. Sound good? <laughs> sure. All right, cool. Or you can eat while we record. I don't care. You know, people don't like you know food on the podcast, but whatever. I'm just finishing an ice cream sandwich right now. So. Oh, okay, cool. That's my dinner at the moment. That's your dinner at the moment. Awesome. Well, let me. Uh, where's my drink at? Jesus. 
losing everything around here. Mm-hmm. This guy's on crack. 